Hello and welcome to the debrief for the 17th of February 2021 after Aberdeen's 1-0 defeat at Parkhead. Martin, I'm afraid that uh, we can't do what we did on Saturday again. You only get to play that card once, I'm afraid, and you can only do that if you've done a number of years of service of uh, actual proper podcasts. So we actually have to talk about this one tonight. Yeah, I'm afraid so, yeah. We can't take the fist tonight. Um, You know... Compared to compared to Saturday though, Richard, I mean, I I, I think apart from you no know, that that the, the first half an hour where I thought we let them have the lots and lots of the ball, you know, we didn't create nearly anywhere near enough that we should have been. But I, I, in terms of just you know, generally keeping the ball and being tidy, I don't think we we're too bad tonight. It's just it's the same story we've had pretty much all season, where there's just a lack of creativity within the team. Yeah, but I got to take issue with that. You can't just sort of excuse the first half an hour. It was terrible. Oh, no, it was no, no. absolutely terrible. It was just such a timid side. Just ho- you know, each of them hoping somebody else would take responsibility. And even the basics of just retaining the ball on those occasions we did get the ball. To, to talk nothing about how deep we were and how passive we were. You know, we were absolutely terrible when it came to retaining the ball. You can't say that you know once we went one nil down and we and we finally got a foothold that we did okay from that point. Because we've already got ourselves in a turn, in our current situation, what is basically an insurmountable position. Yes. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I know you're looking for positives. I know, oh, and I know, and I appreciate that. And there was probably a point to come on that, but that's just adds to the frustration in quite in many ways because there was clearly a game plan that could have functioned and could have actually hurt Celtic and could have caused Celtic way more problems than we managed over the course of that 90 minutes. This tactic of adopting this, this man-to-man marking, I mean, I get it. I, I do get it. You you want to try and nullify the movement because you, you think that they can work through you if you try and keep a rigid shape. But the thing is, Celtic this season have struggled to get through rigid shapes. And the goal tonight is a really classic example. Everyone's having a go about about the lack of pressing, and that definitely plays a part. But it's more a factor of the man-to-man marking. You've got in terms of the midfield, which obviously is where the space is. You've got McCurry up the pitch at the goal kick on Sorrow, who is completely not involved in the move. Campbell's been dragged out wide by Ryan Christie. So you've got Ferguson in basically the whole of his path trying to trying to mark two Celtic players. So it just. I think you can only, you've got to, if you're going to implement this sort of man-to-man shape against Celtic, which we do so often, you've still got to have a, a sort of rigidity in terms of, you know, you have to be handing your man off if he's dragging you right over to the touchline like Dean Campbell's was, or Sorrow is coming right back to the edge of his own penalty box almost for goal kicks. You have to just hand it off at that point and, and stay within a sort of loose structure at least. They, they get forward, and I think it's Ferguson, is it? That's got, you know, has got two of them. Would be a lot. We would have been a lot more comfortable if we'd let, if you know, he'd seen what was on. Both of the guys were had somebody marking them, and he puts it out wide, and I think we could have probably coped with that. But it just, I, I, I can understand the frustration. I mean, you see, you no know, McGregor come that far up the pitch, and then. There's nobody really near him, and then there's nobody. Really well, there's nobody really pressing from the centre backs either. That's the other thing. You've got a spare man at the back. And they're not alert enough to the danger either. You know, it's like they're play they're playing with a degree of kind of 
zonal uh, thought in their head as opposed to the midfielders. You know, you know, they're not coming out and seeing the space. They're not, you know, they're sticking to their part of the pitch, whereas the midfielders just weren't. And, well, you know, obviously you want to press them high up the pitch, and that's part of the reason that McCrory goes goes with Sorrow. Obviously, you want to do that. You want to to try and stretch the game. You want to trust in your player's ability to, to win the ball high. But it's like we were doing it for, for certain parts of the team and not doing it for other parts of the team. It was, it was just really frustrating. And as I say, it's just a timidity about us. And just not a belief, I don't think, in any of the Aberdeen players that they genuinely believe they were going to get something. Until I think, you know, they get to a point about 15 minutes before the half and they realise that the opposition really aren't doing too much to hurt them. And they take advantage of a couple of loose passes from Celtic and they almost prove to themselves that, hold on, yes, we can do something. I mean, I would credit both Camberry and Dean Campbell for for taking some responsibility in forward areas. I mean, Camberry, certainly the brightest spark tonight. If you want to look... Scrabble around for a positive. I think I think there is one. Um, although he's a greedy little bugger, there was definitely that opportunity when it was still nil nil. In fact, to play Dean Campbell in, which really should have been taken. There's a penalty shout which obviously the manager referred to in his post match but uh, that's just desperate stuff. Just really desperate stuff. That's not a penalty kick. I know we've had ones given against us in the past, but for something similar. But they weren't penalties either. That doesn't mean that tonight's was anything close to a penalty kick. And really, Scott Bain's not had a proper save to make. No, he has not. That's, that's the thing, right? After after taking the piss for Saturday's podcast, it's like I'm trying. I am trying to find positives, but but you just there just comes frustrations, and frustrations being that we didn't really work there. Work Scott Bain at all, who we know isn't really that good a goalkeeper. He's a he's an average Premier League goalkeeper. You know, there's nothing special about him at all. We should really be working him more. When you have a couple of chances. Um, like we did, you know, when you hit the post, you know, you really need to be, you need to really be um, getting them on target um, and doing something with them. And that, that's where, that's where I think the, the largest frustration out of the game comes for me, is that you no, know, they they aren't a, they aren't a very good side at the moment. Um, and you no, know, yes, we're struggling. Yes, we haven't scored goals, but they're a, they're a team. Well, we've said this before. They're a team that can be gotten at. You know, they're 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 a mess defensively, and we've not really. We've not pre- pressured them at all. Yet again, um, no. Yet again, no. Christopher Ayer. How many times under Derek McInnes's ma- like leadership have we just you know, allowed their centre halves just to come wandering up the pitch? And I get that they wander up the pitch, and sometimes most of the time they don't really do anything with it. But he come, but you no. Know, we let him sail sail up to the halfway line and distribute the ball to somebody else without really pressing him. That frustrates me so much seeing that, that we're not, you know, we're talk, talking about pressing from the front or we're talking about man-to-man. Yeah, I mean, that is but a factor of the man-to-man. Like we did it, we've done it with Chris Fryer. We did it when, what's his name, Boyata was for them as well. It just always seems to happen. Well, that, that's a direct factor of the man-to-man. They'll have, they'll have a spare man at the back and he's able to bring it forward. I think it was more deliberate when Boyata was there or... or um, Ambrose was there even because you know you want to leave it with someone you want to have the spare man as someone who you consider not to be that good on the ball um, but but Ayer is probably the most accomplished defender on the ball so it is a bit mystifying I don't know if it was really a deliberate design to leave him spare I just don't know if the strikers were, were playing tight enough um, into the centre halves it seemed that you know once again positionally 
they didn't quite get it right in that first half. In the second half, they were much more on it and they were much more on top of the centre-halves. Now, whether that was based on instruction going wrong from the manager or whether that was um, their failure to carry out the instructions of the manager, we don't know. But but clearly that was something we were much better at doing in the second half and therefore stopping Ayer from getting out quite so easily. But yeah, once he's passed the attacker... Everyone else is man for man, so he can wander forward. Absolutely, he can get to the uh, get to the defensive line, and it was just the lack of engagement of any of the players. Because yeah, you're man marking, but they're shuffling it about, they're moving you about. You're not getting a foot in, you're not getting a challenge in, you're not doing anything until they can't get to our 18 yard box. It was it was really pitiful stuff for the first half hour, and it it did get better. A couple of tactical tweaks, and I just think a, a bit of a growing belief that hang on. We can actually get at them, but that should have been there from the start. And I know, I know, confidence and morale are going to be low, and they play a much bigger part in football than any of us care to admit. Because we all believe that it can be football can be worked out. You know what I mean? It can be it can be solved, but things like that, things which you can't control, do play a really really big part in a footballer's mentality. They really approach the game. You know, even the way they perform, just, you know, how how well they control the football can be down to how confident they feel. And right now, we're a side that is really, really struggling. And therefore, that's very, very evident in some of our decision-making. The other thing tonight, I suppose, to discuss didn't happen at Parkhead, but Bruce Anderson got a second goal in four days. Um, I don't think any of us could really have been surprised when he moved out on loan um, on deadline day um, and there was always a chance of this happening and you know I've only seen I saw Bruce play for Hamilton against Rangers a few weeks back and he looked good as part of a front two didn't score that day uh, but he has obviously scored a couple of goals since um, is this just bringing into sharper context a sort of failure in Derek McInnes's part to to get any of his striking options scoring, that Bruce can go out to a team who are a couple of places below us in the league, had been struggling for most of the season, and is scoring goals now. Um, and you, know, you just spoke about you spoke about confidence there. Um, they get, you know, his, I think his first game for them was that Rangers game, so he goes there, tails are up because they get one good result, and then he, he scores in his next two games. I'm not saying that Brian Rice has suddenly decided that Bruce Anderson's the greatest player in the world, but he's clearly showed some confidence in him and showed some belief in him. You know, he's going to get he's going to get plenty of game time because you know, we know he's a good player. We're obviously recording this a little bit later than we normally would after the match. You know, McInnes's interview after the game where he said, you know, we spoke to Bruce Anderson and said, you no, know, go out and get some game time, and then come back next season. Um, yeah, no one's buying that, are they? There's <laughs> not a chance. I'm not, this is I'm, not be buying that, I'm not buying that at all. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a slip of the tongue, and I think maybe Derek's forgotten that he's actually out of contract in summer. Um, I don't think any of us believe, and I think no, you know, if we if we're going to believe internet rumours and gossip and things like that, then I think you know he's he's going to be on the way out. So, but that's something else that's going to be pounced on as well. You know, the manager has just probably made a, a wee Freudian slip there, but you know he's put a player out on loan who he's now. Who's, who's said is going to come back and play next season um, and then when that doesn't happen if the manager is still here that's going to be another another stick to, he's going to get beaten with Alright, well that's our debrief on the evening that Aberdeen set an unwanted club record of six games without a goal uh, beating the runs uh, from, well, last year and uh, 1973 
1905 won. Um, that's over two seasons. I'm not counting that. Although, as I pointed out on Twitter earlier, that one did last for five months, technically speaking. So we've still got that to break, Martin. It's not that bad. We haven't gone five months without scoring. We're not, if, if we go five months without a goal, you're going to have to you're going to have to like talk me down off a Union Bridge. I don't know how many O's I can put in the goal tweet uh, that will eventually accompany us uh, finally scoring, whenever that might be, and maybe it will be on Saturday against Kilmarnock. Oh, hang on, Tommy Wright's at Kilmarnock. It's going to be nil-nil, obviously. <laughs> right, we'll be back on Saturday. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds.